Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the Book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, the new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, National Director of Precept Ministries here in Canada. Thank you for tuning in to Unlocking the Truth podcast. This is another episode on our series from the Book of Romans. We are in the third segment of Romans. There will be four total segments. And so this is uh, episode 11 of 16, and we're right in the midst of the uh, segment on God's relationship with Israel and uh, God's sovereignty in all things. So thankful that you are tuning in with us. Thank you for continuing to give us uh, feedback on uh, this uh, tool that we're using throughout the ministry. I'm glad that you can participate with us and hope you're studying along. Uh, Continue to visit our website for all of the great things that are happening around the country. And I just want to thank you for supporting this ministry financially and with your prayers uh, as God continues to work in Canada. I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do this fall. And of course, as we begin our planning, unbelievable, as we begin our planning for uh, 2024. Where are we headed after the book of Romans? Well, we're going to head into the book of Jude. We're going to do a five-episode series on the book of Jude. And so if you want to order uh, the Precept Upon Precept Jude and follow along with us, uh, that would be a great opportunity to study with us. But we'll be doing that in a few weeks. So I'll remind you again about uh, that uh, change in to Jude. I can't wait to do Jude, actually. It's a really good, good letter and uh, very applicable to what is happening around us today. So uh, a little short one on Jude and then who knows, praying, praying right now of how the God, how God will open doors to use this tool for our next uh, study in the Word. Let me pray and then we'll dig right into some review and Romans chapter 10. Father, we do thank you again for uh, all that you are doing in our country. We thank, we're thankful that you are in complete control, that no matter what happens, when we see all the things that are going around us, we know that you sit on your throne and nothing happens without your outside of your design, outside of your permission. And so, Lord, we can rest in the fact that you are in complete control of your creation. And Lord, I pray that as we dig into the Word again this week, that you would uh, show us these truths, that you would open our eyes to things that maybe we haven't seen before in Romans 10. But again, that you should challenge us to uh, be conformed into your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, we uh, have completed two segments. We've got one episode left In our third segment, we've looked at the problem of sin, which is, we know the solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The theme of Romans is uh, the righteous shall live by faith. It's nothing that we can do to produce salvation. We can only be saved 
uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have to believe. <clears throat> we have to believe in what uh, we know to be true, and that is that the gospel uh, is for salvation, that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, but that we also know that God's wrath also reveals uh, God, and it reveals that God hates sin, and God has to deal with sin. It also shows us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We were born with sin uh, because of the sin that was uh, brought into the world through Adam. And because of those things, we need a Savior. But when we confess and we believe in Jesus Christ, <clears throat> we then are justified and made right before God. Uh, Romans chapter 5 tells us that we have peace. It's not a calm feeling. It is a peace that we know we're in right relationship when we no longer face the anger and the wrath of God. But we're called. We're called to be dead to sin. We are now identifying with Christ. We're dead to sin. We're dead to the law. And because of these things, there's no condemnation for those who believe. Nobody can bring a charge against us because it is, it is Jesus is the one who judges and he is the one who has saved us. Uh, God has a great plan. And that great plan is also for Israel. And Israel has been a part of God's plan since the very beginning. They are God's chosen people. God has made a covenant with Israel. Uh, the church has not replaced Israel. But we are in a time period that we will learn about in our next episode where God has opened the window or the door, so to speak, for the Gentiles to be saved. Paul tells us in Romans 1 that the gospel is for both Jew and Greek, so both Jew and Gentile. It's for all who believe. And so we are in this time where uh, the Jews, uh, they have the opportunity to believe by uh, b receiving, believing in the gospel of Jesus. Gentiles uh, have this opportunity to be saved by the gospel. It's for everyone, all who believe. But God has not given up on Israel. And Paul, his heart in chapter 9, was that the people, the Jewish people, would know that he grieves for them, that he would want to step into their place, uh, into place and be the sacrifice so that they could be saved. I mean, this is absolutely amazing truth that Paul is laying out here, that God hasn't rejected Jesus, that God is going to be uh, having a plan, or God hasn't rejected the uh, Jews, but God has a plan uh, for them. And so, uh, we get into chapter 10 now, and in chapter 10, we get to look back into Paul's heart. And when we look into Paul's heart in chapter 10, uh, we're going to see his desire for the Jewish people in verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God uh, for them is their salvation. Writing to the Romans, uh, my heart's desire, my prayer is that God would save the Jewish nation, that God would save Israel, 
not by their works, but by faith, that they would come to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the one who came to save them. And so he has this heart for the Jewish nation. But he also tells us in verse 2, he tells us, For I testify about them, that being Israel. They have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Uh, for knowing about God's, for not knowing about God's uh, righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ, in the end of the law, uh, for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so, as Paul is going to work through this series, we get to look in these verses, series of verses, we get to look into his heart. He has a desire for uh, the Jewish nation to be saved. But he also is going to show us, in verses 1 to 13, uh, why Israel has rejected righteousness by faith. And so, we're going to break this week's episode down into three points, and the three points are as following. Israel's rejected righteousness by faith, Israel's cure for rejection, or Israel's remedy for rejection, and then what w- is the result of Israel rejecting um, salvation by faith. All right, so uh, Paul's heart, again, his desire, he wants the Jewish people to be saved. In verse 2, it tells us, that Israel had a real zeal and passion for God. Uh, This zeal and passion uh, is not in accordance with knowledge. (laughs) What does Paul mean by that? Uh, This zeal and passion are for things that are outward. It is not in accordance with the knowledge of salvation or righteousness by faith, but it's all not based on the full truth of that righteousness comes by faith. We saw this with Abraham, that his circumcision, that act of circumcision, was not uh, a result or a work of salvation, but it was an outward showing of an inward change, much like we talked about previously how baptism shows that. Baptism isn't salvation. Baptism shows that we've had a change of heart and we profess that outwardly to all those that are around us. And so the Jewish people, they had a zeal and a passion for God. And I have to tell you, folks, I love, and I've said this before, I love going to Israel. And I love uh, watching the Jewish people. And uh, the first time we went to Israel, Jessica and I together, Jessica spent the whole night staying awake on the airplane because she was just overwhelmed with watching the the Jewish men go through through their religious ceremonies and their prayers that they were doing every every hour or every uh, every two hours on the plane. They would. Uh, get dressed up in their prayer shawl and their pillows and and have their prayer books and they would walk up and down the aisles and they would pray and they would stand by the washrooms and pray and all of these things but you you can't help but look and see they have a passion and a desire to please God that's within them 
they they're doing these outward things because it's not that they don't love God. They love God and they want to show God that they are doing uh, great things for for God to to be considered righteous in God's eyes. And so it's not that they're not do what they're doing is wrong. It is that it's not directed properly. They're doing these things for the purpose of being saved. And that's what Paul says is they've got this real passion, this desire and zeal. They have this sincerity in their hearts to do to do the right things for God. But zeal and sincerity, they do not lead to salvation. And we can we can put this back into to the the world of the church that there there are many many religious people in the church there are many people who love to practice the ordinances and it's we are to practice the ordinances things like baptism and we're to practice things like the lord's supper because jesus told us to practice those things but there are other ordinances that people have added into to the church, all these outward things that become legalistic in the hopes of proving and making us righteous, but they're not. And we focus on all of these religious things to either look good or to be good in the eyes of God, but you can have a great passion and zeal to complete all of these religious ordinances, but you can be completely wrong in your beliefs. You can be misguided in in the truth of the word. And that's what the Jewish people are, according to Paul. You see, in verse 3, it tells us, uh, For not knowing about God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And so what Paul's talking about here is, is righteousness by faith. And that the Jewish people, that they continue to not recognize that salvation comes by faith, and they continue to introduce salvation by works or salvation by all of these ordinances and things that they must do to be righteous according to the law, and they fail to recognize that Paul tells us that in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. That the knowledge of righteousness of God revealed is right there in the gospel, and it is by faith to faith, which we talked about way back in segment one, that when we believe in the gospel, we then need to live by the gospel. And so we can see that in the church today that many people, they hang on to the religiousness or the religiosity of these ordinances and, and their heart is not directed as though they truly believe, which we're going to come into within this text because, man, oh man, uh, Romans chapter 10 can be very convicting uh, for you and I, even though we are not Jewish. Look at verse 4. It tells us, uh, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so what Paul is telling us here is that Christ came and he didn't abolish the law, but 
Christ now is the new covenant. It's the new covenant, and it is really salvation by faith in Jesus. So, so the actions of Christ on the cross overpower obedience to the law. Verse 5, for Moses writes that a man who practices righteousness, which is based on the law, shall live by that righteousness. <laughs> you know what Paul is saying there? Is that when a man commits to being obedient to the law for the purpose of being righteous or being right before God, they've got to complete and they've got to be obedient to every law. They can't break any of them. And if they break any of them, they are not righteous. Listen to what Moses wrote back in Leviticus uh, chapter 18, uh, verse 5. In chapter 18, verse 5, he says, So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live. If he does them, I am the Lord. Uh, we could put, if he does them all, I am uh, the Lord. Uh, what about James uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 10? And so listen to what... Uh, James writes in James 2, verse 10. He says, uh, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he's become guilty of them all. All right, so you've got to keep the law perfectly. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse uh, 26, listen to what Moses writes here. Deuteronomy uh, 27, verse 26. He says, Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. So this just precedes these. this verse is a bunch of curses that come for those who do not keep all of the law. And so Paul, in verse 5, he's saying that if you are going to hold to the righteousness of the law, then you've got to, to be obedient to all of them. That even breaking one law, you've broken them all. And therefore, you are destined for wrath. All right, so Paul uh, is making it clear that really, again, righteousness by faith. Verse 6, uh, but the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Uh, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. All right, so uh, look at verse uh, 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. So listen to what Paul is doing here in verses uh, 6 to 8. 
uh, there's two things that we need to understand. The first is that if you're going to be obedient to the law, you've got to keep all the laws. But if you break one, you broke them all and you fall short of the glory of God. In verse 6, it also indicates to us that there's some type of journey that somebody needs to go on. And the question becomes, uh, who will ascend into heaven? All right, so who's going to go up to heaven and get Jesus? All right, who's going to go up and find Jesus in heaven and bring him down to earth? Come, come with me, Jesus. There's, there's work to be done down on the earth. The other question is, who's going to go down to the abyss and bring Christ up from the dead. So so it becomes up. Are you seeing what's happening here is really what man what man is going to do the work to either go up to heaven and bring Jesus down to earth or what man is going to go down to the abyss and bring Jesus back from the dead. And if you do those things, does that consider you to be righteous? Well, no, it's impossible for man to do these things. It's impossible for man to go up to heaven and bring Jesus down. It's impossible for man to go and get Jesus from the abyss and bring him up. Absolutely impossible for man to be able to do that. All right, so this is really all of this being said is that God does not require you to do anything for the purpose of salvation. That the only thing that we need to do is we need to believe in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we need to believe that the work that was done, that when Christ came to the earth and that he was uh, put on the cross for our sin, that his sin was a satisfactory payment for our sins. And that when he rose again, that he defeated death, and by his resurrection, we are saved. And so there's nothing that we can do. We can't go to heaven and find Jesus. We can't go to heaven and bring him down. And we can't go down to the abyss and bring him up. These are all works. These are all things that we would need to do to get salvation. And it can't be done. And that's what Paul's telling us in verses 6 to 8. That if you're going to live by works, then you got to complete all of them. If you don't complete all of them and you break one, you broke them all. But you can't produce your own salvation by going and getting Jesus, bringing him down, and then when he goes to the cross and dies, you go down to the abyss and bring him back. It's impossible. It just can't be done. But... But, he says in verse 8, what does it say? It says 
the word is near you. The word is in your mouth and in your heart. The, that is the word of faith which we are preaching. So if you are good inductive study students and you like to mark words, uh, you would mark the word of faith the same way that you marked the gospel. And he says that the gospel is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Uh, the word, the gospel, which we are preaching to you. What Paul has done through Romans up until this point is he has presented the gospel. He's presented that all fall short of the glory of God, that all need a savior, and that the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. The knowledge that you didn't have, that you thought you didn't have, has been before you the whole time. Romans, I am presenting this to you right now. I have presented this to the Jewish people as well. You, They have heard the gospel, and we know through our studies of nine, chapter 9 that they rejected the gospel. But it's been there the whole time. The gospel has been preached. And so verse 9 also tells us that there are some things that the Jewish people need to do, not works of righteousness that bring them to salvation, but there is things that they need to do in order to be saved. And listen to what he says in verse 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So do you see the big contrast that Paul is bringing out here? He's bringing out the contrast, and it's continued through this entire letter, is they're really the focus being that of salvation by faith, and salvation by works. And so what he tells us in verse 9, that if you truly want to be saved, you can't, first of all, go to heaven and get Jesus. You can't go down to the abyss and bring him in order for you to be saved. The first thing you need to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Understand this, that the word confess is much more than just a simple statement of, yeah, I believe. I believe that Jesus is Lord. No, no, what does that really mean? It really means that you have a deep personal conviction that without a doubt you believe that Jesus is Lord, master, ruler of your life. That whole idea of dying to self that we identify with Christ, that we no longer live for ourselves, but that Jesus now rules our lives. That that is without a doubt the way things are. A part of this confession also includes repentance of sin. A part of this confession that he is Lord over our lives, this deep personal conviction is also trusting that Jesus does 
save. Look at the second thing he tells us that we need to do is that we need to believe in our hearts. You see, the gospel is a vital part of salvation. Without the gospel, Paul tells us all through the book of Romans is we can't be saved without it. We can't do it ourselves. It's not just believing in the event of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but it is believing in the entire completed work of Jesus. And let me remind you what the entire completed work of Jesus is. That when God sent Jesus to this earth, that when he ministered on this earth, he was preparing people for this one event, for the kingdom of God. He was teaching about the kingdom of God and how one enters into the kingdom of God. He taught that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they go through Jesus. Very similar to the, to the covenant made with Abraham when God passed through the animals of the blood sacrifice. Uh, we can only enter into right relationship with God through walking through the blood of Christ. But that death on the cross, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, when he was up on the cross with the, with the criminals that were beside him, that the wrath that he took, the, the scourgings and the beatings and the, and the whipping and the mocking and the ridicule, all of, the, all of that happened on the cross that my sin he also carried to the cross. And that when he screamed out in his last breath to God that it is finished and he died, that his death was the satisfactory payment to God. That God looked upon what Jesus did on the cross and he was satisfied with that work, that he approved of what Christ completed. And because he accepted what Christ did on the cross, he raised Jesus from the dead. And when he raised Jesus from the dead, he defeated sin. He defeated death. And when we believe in that completed work of Christ, when we have that deep inward trust and belief that comes from the heart, we too are saved and we are justified and made righteous in the eyes of God. This is what it means to believe in your heart. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart of a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, 
he confesses, resulting in salvation. It's very interesting that in verse 9 and 10, uh, they're reversed. What Paul says is a part of this uh, confessing and believing. In verse 9, he tells us, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart uh, that he raised him from the dead. And then uh, for with a person who believes, resulting in righteousness, uh, he confesses, resulting in salvation. So there is a lot happening there. We've got to confess. Okay, we've got to repent of our sin. And as a part of repenting of our sin, we believe that Christ took our sin to the cross for sins past, present, and future, and he forgives that sin. And that when we understand that he forgives that sin, we can then confess that he is going to be Lord over our lives. And, and when he's Lord over our lives, we release everything to him. We no longer are slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness, as Paul told us earlier in his letter. Verse 11 tells us, uh, for Scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. The, the, the idea there is, why won't we be disappointed? Because God keeps his word. Because we will be saved, both Jew and Gentile. Verse 12 says, For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you hear it? Do you hear it right there? He's telling us the path to salvation. He's telling us that uh, we've got to confess and believe. We've got to confess that Jesus is Lord. We won't be disappointed when we put our faith in Jesus. Why? Because he saves both Jew and Gentile. This reminds us back to uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, when Paul says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, the offer of salvation is for everyone. And so this is what Paul, he's kind of continuing to conclude here, is that you can't be saved by your works. Righteousness comes by salvation, by faith and then you'll be saved. But Israel rejected that righteousness by faith. They went after their own pursuit of trying to consider to be righteous by the law, but Paul says, no, 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 all you need to do is confess and believe. This is the way that you will be saved. In verses 14 to 17, it brings us to uh, point number two, which is Israel's cure for rejection. And he's going to ask a number of questions. He asks four questions in total. So let me give you these four questions that he asks. Let me read this to you first in 14 to 17, and then uh, we'll get the four questions out. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. However, they did not heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord who has believed our report. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So let me give you these four questions, and then we'll watch as Paul answers them. Question number one, uh, how, will call, how will men call upon whom they have not believed? All right, so how will men call upon Jesus who they don't believe in? Question one. Question two, how will they believe in Jesus if they've not heard about Jesus? Question number three, how will they hear without a preacher? Question number four, how will they preach unless they are sent? Well, Paul answers this in six things that take place. All right, so let's look at these six things that take place. The first is, uh, he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. All right, so the first thing is that messengers will be sent with the gospel. The second thing he tells us is that the good news will be declared by these messengers. He also tells us that messengers, as they declare the word, sinners will hear the word of God. Verse 17. Sinners will believe the word of God. They will call upon Jesus. They will be saved. And that faith comes from hearing the word. So Paul answers, well, how are men going to call upon Jesus whom they don't believe? How are they going to know about Jesus who they haven't heard? Who's going to be the preacher and who's going to send? Paul says messengers have been sent. I'm one of those messengers. Messengers declare the word of God. I'm one of those people that declared the word of God. Sinners will hear the word of God. Sinners will believe the word of God. Sinners will call upon Jesus. When they call upon Jesus, when they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they will be saved. But faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the gospel. I mean, this is vital for us to see of the implications for you and I. Because how are people going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to go. We have been sent out in the Great Commission 
that doesn't just apply for the disciples, but it also applies for us. We have been sent out. And when we are sent out, we are sent out to declare the word of God. And, and when we declare the word of God, people hear the word of God, and then people believe in the word of God. Let's be careful to, to not move past the very fact that all we are called to do is go and teach. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of those hearing that brings them to belief. It's not our words. There's nothing we can do. Otherwise, again, it would be salvation by works. We go and share the gospel. We go and share what Jesus has done in our lives. And they hear the word and receive the word and believe the word and they call upon Jesus and they are saved. I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter 1 uh, and listen to just how uh, Paul describes his trip to Thessalonica. And what he says is, uh, in verse 1, he says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfast hope in Jesus. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. Our gospel did not come to you in word only. So he tells us right there in verse, in verse uh, 5 that the gospel, it did go in word, but it didn't go in word only, but it went in power and in the Holy Spirit, and it brought full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be. So the gospel didn't go just in word only, but the gospel was lived out in the life of Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. They saw the gospel in their lives. But Paul preached it. And when Paul preached it, the gospel came with power. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's the Holy Spirit working. The Holy Spirit brought full conviction. And look what it did to the church. The church became imitators of Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, and they imitated Jesus. They received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that the, the church at Thessalonica, not only did they receive the word, they believed the word, and they received the Holy Spirit. They were truly saved. So much so that they became an example. They took the gospel to other places. Verse 8 tells us the word of the Lord sounded forth from them. Verse 9 tells us that they used to serve idols, but they now serve God. Their hope is in a living God, and they're waiting for Jesus to return to rescue them. You see, people, they went to Thessalonica. Paul did. He preached the gospel. The sinners who were serving idols recognized that they needed a savior and they believed in the word and they called upon Jesus 
And we know from our study of Romans, when they called upon Jesus and they confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart, they were saved. Paul tells us that faith comes from hearing the word. Our responsibility, folks, is we've got to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't just live a life where people hopefully will recognize Jesus in us. Because there are a lot of people in this world that do good works. But the gospel is the power of salvation. We've got to share the gospel with people. Because when people hear it, they believe it. They call upon Jesus, and then they're saved. That's what Paul tells us right there. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, by the gospel. We've got to share the gospel. Is that your heart's desire is to see people saved? Are you seeing Paul's heart come out in, the, in this chapter? His desire. He's grieved for his people. His heart's desire is salvation. And he's showing them how to be saved. We'll listen to the final verses. The, the result of the rejection that comes in verses 18 to 21 but I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? For most, for first Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Paul goes with a couple questions here. And question one is, surely Israel has never heard, have they? Paul quotes Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Their voice has gone out to all the earth. The words to the ends of the world. By creation itself, Creation speaks of the glory of God. All Israel has to do is look up. Look at the around them. They have heard about the righteousness of God. They can see it in creation itself. Which brings us back to Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 20, we see this very same principle again. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Well, what about Israel? And they've never heard. Oh, they heard. Because creation speaks about God. But we learn that they didn't understand. They didn't understand about the righteousness of God that was being spoken. They didn't get it. Paul uses the quote from Isaiah, I will make you jealous by which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger you. Isaiah was bold and said, I, found, I was found by those who did not seek me. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. Well, what do I do? I don't, I don't know. Like, what do we do if they've never heard? Paul opens the door and tells us about the Gentiles. He tells us that God is going to make the Jewish people jealous by going to the Gentiles and giving them the opportunity to be saved by faith. It's a real kicker in verse 20. Surely Israel has never heard, have they? God says, I was found by the Gentiles and they weren't even looking for me. I became manifest to them, and they didn't even call out to me. And he wraps the chapter, and he says, But you, Israel, I've been calling to you all day long. I've stretched out my hands to you, but you rejected me time and time again. When we started working through this series, we, we looked at chapters 9, 10, and 11, and we came to the conclusion that 9 is past, the history of Israel, 10 is present, and 11 is future. And so right in the present, we know that the gospel has gone out, that God has spoken through his creation He's made his invisible attributes known to Israel. Man is without excuse. But the Jewish people in Israel, they didn't understand. They rejected Jesus. They didn't listen. They didn't listen to Isaiah. They didn't listen to Jeremiah. And they didn't listen to Jesus. And the door's been opened for the Gentiles to be saved. Praise the Lord, because that's you and I. We've got this opportunity to receive the gospel because of the Jews being obstinate people. We're going to learn more about that in chapter 11. But what does Paul want us to know wrapping up chapter 10? Salvation 
is not difficult. It's only difficult if we are unwilling to give it all up. The parable in the Gospels of the rich man, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? He says, keep all of the laws. The rich man says, oh yeah, I've, I've kept all of the laws since I was a child. Jesus says, sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. That was the tough one for the rich man, wasn't it? He wasn't able to give it all up. You see, salvation is not difficult. He says, confess and believe in your heart. But what are you confessing? That Jesus is Lord and Master of your life. I no longer pursue my own desires and my own will, but I now pursue the will of God. It's not a difficult thing to understand these truths. It's much more difficult to be saved by works. But the Word of God must be presented because it's the Word of God that convicts the heart. It's the Holy Spirit working through God's Word and the Gospel that brings conviction. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It basically comes down to this, that there's two religions in the world. Righteousness by works or righteousness by faith. Nobody can fulfill the first. But everyone can respond to the second. Confess and believe in your heart and you will be saved. Father, we do thank you for all that we have seen in the scriptures today. We thank you for your love and your choosing of Israel. We thank you that there's great hope for them as well as we'll see in the next episode. But Father, we see that in the present, they have rejected you. They're stubborn, they're obstinate, and Lord, there are many people we know that are in the same boat. They reject your truth. They reject your gospel. They reject you. But we also know, Lord, that there are people that are trying to be saved by doing good things. We pray, Lord, that those people would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and learn about salvation by faith that in your mighty works by the power of the Holy Spirit, people would confess and believe in their heart that the work of the gospel was all that was needed to be saved and that we would recognize that you are Lord over our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website presetministries.ca to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.